We're back. This is the Detroiter covering sports in the Motor City in the Mitten State. I'm your host, Nick Bradley, and it's presented by the Second String. Tailgating needs. State fans, Michigan fans, best time of the year, baby. Huge weekend coming up on the 30th. Michigan fans just released a new vintage Charles Woodson piece. It's absolute gas. Um, I can't wear it for obvious reasons, but highly recommend. Got all kinds of other stuff. Piston stuff, Red Wings, Lions, you name it. Anyways, big episode today, as these always are. <laughs> I say big episode every time, and since football started, there hasn't been a small episode, but that's the way I like it. That's why I started. I like it. I like talking football. It's the best sport ever. Um, I'm looking outside my window right now. It's like 60 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. I wish there was football happening. Unfortunately, it's a Wednesday. I wish I was just watching football, though. I love the game. It's a very fun game to watch. And college, I'll tell you, I love college football. I did that podcast before the season talking about, like, I love the NFL, too. I think, like, the quality of football, if you just watched the games, it's like, man, you can tell, like, these guys in the NFL are just better. The quarterback plays so much better. But the college, like everything outside of the actual game, I think is better in college. Like the broadcasting, the way it's presented, the fanfare, the circumstance. I think the fandom too. College stadiums always feel louder. College stadiums, college fan bases always feel like people care more. And I think they probably do, which makes sense. Like I went to Michigan State. I spent four years there. I feel like I'm a part of it, even though even though I'm not. Like, I have nothing to do with the football program or the team or anything. Whereas the Lions, yes, I've lived in Detroit my whole life. I've been a fan my whole life. But I've never, like, worked for the Lions, right? I never was part of the Detroit Lions. I still get equally as upset when they lose all this and that. I'm still a huge fan. But I think it does hit a little different. Like, when you went to that university – I think college fans, college football fans specifically, are are psychopaths. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. I think they're crazy people, at least the internet college football fans. Like, they're normal people for sure. But a lot of these people on the internet are just fucking bananas. It's like, dude, relax. You're on the internet talking about college sports. Fucking relax for two seconds. Anyways, big episode. State's on a bye, so I won't do a ton of that. Um, I... The Mel Tucker thing, dude, I last or the episode that came out Tuesday, I did a lot more time on Mel. I'll mention a couple things about it just because I want to put it to rest. I'm fucking tired. <laughs> I'm tired of talking about it. That report last weekend, there was the, the buzz that came around on Twitter like, uh-oh, LSU, they just got rid of Coach O. Like they might be looking at Mel. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't help but talk about that. Um, I Just defending my whole thing was like, people don't understand. Say everyone's the whole, if LSU wants him, he's gone. And I'm sitting there like, MSU, the the contract they gave him, the investment they're making into the football facility, like they've never done that before. They've never made that kind of commitment financially to the football program before. That It just has never happened. When they got Mel, they did make a substantial commitment. I think a commitment like that contract they gave Mel, I think when that came out, State fans were even like, whoa, whoa, we wanted them to pony up. Like, that's kind of – this is even a little surprising, though. I think that's how most people felt, right? They'd never really done that. There never was a precedent for that. So them doing that – my whole thing has been – when they did that, I'm sitting back looking at it thinking, okay, so why would they just randomly decide, you know what, now in the year 2021 or 2020, now – all right, let's get let's fucking ball out a little bit. Let's loosen the purse strings. Let's pay, right? All these great programs, all these big time schools, they pay. They shell out cash. Like that's the one thing they all have in common. We have the capability. Let's do it. That's that's been the whole thing. I've just been putting out fires left and right on the TikTok. Hopefully some of you are listening from the TikTok. People are getting angry with me. Hey, people just don't listen. They're like, dude, MSU could never. I'm sitting there like, do people not get the resource? Like MSU has an infinite amount of money if they want it. Like, do people just don't get that? I guess. I mean, which is fine. That was the whole point though. That's everything I, I wanted to say. Yes. Mel Tucker may end up going that there. He may go Georgia. He may go, he he'll probably leave eventually. Fine. My whole thing was 
people just need to understand that MSU isn't like some division two program that it's, Oh, the coach is here. Oh, he's gone. Okay. Like Michigan state can be a powerhouse. Michigan state has resources to go up against anybody in the world. Right. That was my whole thing. And people are coming on the, getting in the comments, like this guy's an idiot. Michigan state could never match. Yes, they could. Yes, they can. I'm telling you, just like research MSU, the alumni, for for a minute, and you'll realize that they can. I am telling you, just because they're not in the SEC, just because they're not Ohio State or Michigan, doesn't mean that they, oh, they can't afford it. Michigan State may as well be sitting on El Dorado. I'm telling you. So that that bothered me with the mouthing. Everyone, you're an idiot. They can't do it. Yes, they can, guys. Sure, he might still go to LSU. Fine. The whole thing was MSU can give the resources, and they have for the first time in a long time. Everyone wanted to bring up Saban too. Like, oh, this happened before LSU or MSU coach going to LSU. Nick Saban wanted to stay in East Lansing. MSU cowered it out. The board or the president, whoever is like responsible for giving him the offer, they cowered it out. They didn't do it. They didn't give Saban what he wanted. And he left. Fair enough, dude. Good play. Like, that's it. That's what that's. Do what's best for you. I still believe that with Mel. Do what's best for you. The difference is this time, the contract they offered Mel to leave Colorado was something they've never done. Okay? Within months of him being there, hired his choice as the athletic director. That's meaningful. And now they're investing in a new football facility that should make them one of the top 15 facilities in the country. And I just listened to, uh, I think they're beat reporters, Corey Robinson and Justin Finn. They work for 24-7. So they, like, actually know the inner workings of the program. I'm just a fan that <laughs> likes to talk about it. But they were saying, I think the initial investment was supposed to be 32 mil. They were saying they haven't seen the plans. Like, we're still waiting to hear when it's going to get started and what the plans are. Because what they said was they think more money is still flowing in. That that's that doesn't that hasn't happened. That hasn't happened. They brought in Mel. They paid him a bunch. They gave him the assistant coaching salary pool. They're building the facility. They hired his guy at AD. And now they're just more, more, more cash for this facility. That hasn't happened before. When Nick Saban left, that none of that was happening, right? Like it's a total people need to realize it's a totally different circumstance what's happening at MSU right now than it has ever been. So when people say if LSU calls, he's gone, he might leave for sure. It's impossible to know. But it's not – I. It's you're crazy if you think it's a – oh, LSU, see ya. Mel is – a machine is being built for him right now. The facility that – they're waiting to unveil the facility. They're waiting to break ground. They're waiting to go into detail on it because they're just bringing in more and more cash for it. He's got his boy as the AD, and he's already making a shit ton of money. Yeah, they'll bump his salary up, I'm sure. But people need to realize MSU is capable of building a machine. It's just, do they want to do it? And it seems everyone, the other thing, everyone's like, they never have, why would they now? Because they 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 kind of have made a commitment to at least trying to build a machine. Again, who knows if it'll work? Maybe they'll give them the facility, pay them a ton, and they'll never win anything. Yeah, that might happen but they're giving him the chance. They're putting Mel or whoever the coach is at MSU, they're attempting to put them on an even playing field with all these other schools they got to compete with. And nobody wants to acknowledge it, which is driving me nuts. Like, that's what I don't get. People call me an idiot all you want. At least acknowledge that that's a fact. They, they're they pouring in more cash into the football program than they ever have. That's a fact. LSU might still get Mel or whoever. That's still a fact. People need to acknowledge it. It drives me nuts that it's like, dude, I don't care what you say in the comments, but don't tell, don't say that it's not a fact because it is. Um, the other thing, what everyone goes, why would MSU do it? Here's my thing. They're like, they they love to bring up MSU's 22nd in revenue. Yes, that's not. I mean, that's fine. There's like 200 schools. That's fine. But grand scheme, you want to be a powerhouse national championship. 22 is not great. MSU has been asked the last few years. There's no denying that. There's no denying that. 
they've been ass since 2017, that 10 and three year. They've been for the most part irrelevant, right? But here's my thing. D'Antonio, he's been the coach the entire time. D'Antonio kind of cemented himself as a legend. They weren't going to come in unless it got to the point where it did, where it's like, hey, Mark, like, I'm sorry, dude, but we got to, like, this is, we got to fucking change something here, right? They held out as long as they could. Why do Pete, can people not put two and two together that, hey, what if these people making the decision when they said, hey, Mark, we're going to have to get someone else in here to coach, when they made that decision and they launched their search, do you, like, what if they sat down and said, dude, look at these numbers? from 2010 to 2015 when state was winning double digit games every year, Rose bulls, big 10 championships. Look at these numbers, our revenue. I I just read an article. The revenue state brought in was 87 million on average between 15 and 17. The number one revenue producer was A&M at 94. So state was $7 million less on average than the number one revenue producing program in the country. And that was between 2015 and 17. What's 2013 to 15 where MSU was like, that's the prime, the peak of the D'Antonio era. What if MSU, what if the powers that be looked at that and decide and are going, okay. So we were 7 million off the highest revenue producer. We didn't really invest in the program. We didn't build a state of the art facility. We didn't pay Mel five and a half or mark five and a half million. We didn't do any of those things. We didn't give him a massive salary pool. We didn't give him as much as he wanted for recruiting or, or as much as he should have had if he's going to compete with those schools. And they were still 7 million shy of the number one revenue producer. What if they're looking at those numbers and now they're going, hold the phone. So we've seen we can compete at the highest level. They made the playoff. They got boat raced. That fucking sucks. They got boat raced. Absolutely. There's no denying it. But what if they're looking at it going, so we can compete. Maybe we didn't realize we could, but we can. And that was without heavy investment. That was without building a facility to rival Michigan or Ohio States or Penn States. That's without giving our coach all of the resources required to recruit at the highest level. What happens if they sat down and said, okay, Mark's a legend. We're going to let him run it out as long as we can before we have to step in. Why, like people, you don't think they sat down and said, okay, when we make this next hire, let's get a guy, A, that recruits, okay? Because you need elite talent to beat elite talent. Let's get a guy that recruits. Let's make sure we get the best candidate possible. We will shell out whatever it takes to get him. And when he gets here, let's make sure his facilities and resources are as state-of-the-art as they possibly can be. Because guess what? If we were 7 million shy of the top revenue producer from 15 and to 17 when that didn't exist, where are we going to be at when the investment is there, when the coach can recruit at the highest level? Where's the our, Is that revenue level just going to be the norm? I'm sure it's dropped off now. I think this year or – as it stands, I said state's 22nd in revenue, which makes sense. I mean, again, that's still respectable. There's 200-something colleges. But what if they're saying we want to make $87 million the norm? We want to be $7 million off the leader. That's it. That's the baseline now. People act like you can't just – like since Michigan State hasn't traditionally since the 1940s been that school, they can't be that school. Why? Why not? Clemson was no, nobody cared before Dabo. Now look at them. Michigan State has the ability. They got the resources. They poured into the program. Why can't Michigan State be a top 10, top 15 revenue producer? I don't understand that. That's like, I get MSU isn't a traditional powerhouse in football for sure. There's no, like LSU, MSU, LSU is the school, no doubt. But why can't MSU decide they want to try and have a seat? Why is that like just out of the question? People can't wrap their minds around it. That's what's frustrated me about the Mel thing. I get LSU is more attractive. They're the powerhouse. They're in the South, the recruiting hotbed. I get all that. What if MSU to Mel is like, dude, you're not going to have to recruit against those schools. Yes, Michigan's talent pool isn't Louisiana's. We can't fix that. There's just nothing we can do about that. We'll give you the state-of-the-art facilities. We'll give you all the money you need to recruit, hire your assistants. You can recruit those states. He's already gotten guys from Texas, Florida, Louisiana. You can do it. 
we'll give you everything you need. And then you get to play a big 10 schedule instead of sec. Why it's like people just refuse to acknowledge that that's a possibility. And my entire thing, the whole time, even if Mel goes, whoever the next coach would be after Mel, Michigan state's capable of doing that. Michigan state's capable of putting in the resources and the money and saying, you know what? We were making a shit ton of money off football from 2010 to 2015. Why don't we just try to do that again? People seem to like d- just dismiss that that's a possibility, and I don't really get why. I'm trying to explain it to them. I don't know. I don't understand. That's the thing that drives me nuts about Mal. But I'm sick of talking about it. I'm sick of replying to people who fucking can't understand it. Um, and that's it. I don't want to talk about it anymore, to be honest with you. I'm driving myself nuts. And then, yeah, obviously, like if more news comes out, we'll talk about it. But until then, I'm good on Mel. Um, Pistons, if you're hearing this, have already opened. I'm going to the game tonight. I'm recording this on a Wednesday. Hopefully they win. So I guess no Pistons tonight. I mean, I already did. We talked to Pistons on Tuesday's episode. When I'm recording, I haven't seen game one. We'll talk a little Red Wings. Lions, I guess. Like, I need to start polling the people. Like, do you want to hear about the Lions? Like, do we still care? Is it time where we start talking draft for the Lions? I don't know. We'll do a, a few minutes on the Lions. Um, and then Michigan, another big game. The last stepping stone to October 30th being the game of my lifetime. Like, it's going to be for sure the game of my lifetime. Outside of that 2015 season, I suppose. But this game will be bigger than that Michigan game. Maybe that Michigan State-Ohio State game. Michigan State-Iowa that year. Like, this is one of the biggest games of my life as far as college sports are concerned. So we're going to dive into some U of M stuff. Quick break. We'll be right back. Let's do some cats, baby. This is a big week. Rams. Rams week. Stafford. I wish this game was in Detroit. That would be awesome. But it's whatever. Um, Rams-Lions. I'm excited to watch Stafford play against the old team. I'm excited to watch, I guess, Stafford, like, talk to the guys, talk to the old teammates. I don't know. It's exciting. I, I, If it wasn't the Rams, I'd be far less excited. I mean, I'm like not that excited anyway. I'm more excited. <laughs> God damn it, dude. I'm more excited to watch Stafford than I am for the Lions to maybe win. I, that's just the, uh, that's the truth. I can't lie. I don't know, though. I've been saying it for weeks now. I mean, they're 0-7. There's not much to say. Like, I can't what, – what is there to come on here and seriously talk about? Oh, they just did this better. They got to look at doing this. It's over. The season's over. It's a draft year. That's fine. I will say the one thing I do care about or the one thing I do want to talk about at least outside of staff, on the Lions side, like Jared Goff, I know he's not the problem. He's not the main problem. He's part of the problem for sure. He's not the main problem. I get it. But like he's, I think it's time. Like you got to give someone else a go. I think you have to. So many moments out of all these games where you're like, dude, Jared, that's such a bad throw or that's such a bad read or you can pause the film and it's fourth down and there's two guys wide open in front of his face and he throws it to the double covered guy and you're just, Jared. The guy's five yards in front of your face, and he's there's not a soul near him. Like too many of those moments. And then you add that to being 0-7. I think it's time for a change. I mean, if nothing for no other reason than like, hey guys, this season's going into the fucking ground. We're gonna mix it up, throw a different quarterback in there. Maybe that energizes you. Maybe he just puts the team on his back. I don't know. But let's try something. I, I either last week or two weeks ago, I talked about one of my biggest issues with Patricia, like why I obviously he sucked, like the Lions kept losing. So that made me dislike him. But one of the biggest things, maybe the biggest thing that really just ugh, I, I couldn't stand was his addiction to ins- insanity, his obsession with trying the same thing over and over again, although he knows it will not work. In his case, it was refusing to pressure the quarterback. In his case, even though for two and a half years, the the four-man rush never fucking worked one time, in week nine of year three, he still 
refused to blitz or or just help get pressure in any way. He still refused. That drove me crazy. Not quite to that extreme this year with Dan Campbell and the quarterback situation. And I know Jared Goff's making a ton of money. I know he's been to the Super Bowl. He's had success. I get it. But at some point, like, the quarterback's not going to change the fortunes of the Detroit Lions, but it is the most impactful position on the game. It is the easiest to kind of just make a change at and hope it ripples out through the rest of the team. And it's clear, like, Jared Goff's not getting it done. I'm sorry. He's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. I made a video, like, if the first thing you say about someone, if they're athlete, if they do anything, the first thing you say is, hey, they're a nice guy. They're probably not great at whatever it is you're talking about. Hey, nice guy. Not a great quarterback, though. I think it's just time. Like, maybe Blah will be even worse. Maybe they'll be losing these games by wider margins. I don't know. I'm not sitting here saying – David Blau's the fucking Messiah. How is this guy not in the game yet? But I do know it's not working with Goff. I do know scoring 11 points against the Bengals with one of them being a, a like one touchdown being garbage time. I know that's not good enough. 17 against the Vikings. That's not good enough. 14 against the Bears. That's not good enough. 17 against the Ravens. 17 against the Packers. 17 against the... That's not good enough. I do know that. I don't know. Maybe fucking, maybe David Blau will come in and move that number from 17 to 10. <laughs> maybe that'll be the case, but hey, at least you tried. And that's all I want. That's that's my thing now. At least you tried. At least you said, all right, David, here, have two, three weeks. You stink too. Okay, we'll go back to golf. I tried. It doesn't work either. We'll go back to Jared. That's all I ask. I don't have like some ulterior motive where I hate golf or I love Blau. Like, I don't really care what the name is or who's playing QB. You're 0-7 with the guy who's been playing QB. He's not the main problem or not the only problem you're losing these games, but he certainly is part of the problem. He makes throws. He makes the reads. You can point to a handful of plays every game where he makes a critical error. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just the truth. It. You can point that, that Bengals game. There are multiple plays where you you can watch the tape back, and it's it's not even, ah, tough throw. It's, uh, dude, like you either you have to make that throw or it's, uh, what are you looking at? Like, are you making the reads? Because these guys are wide open. That's the problem. That's the problem. It's one thing if, ah, tough window, tough throw. It's another thing when it's the guys wide open on a critical third or fourth down and you threw it into double coverage anyway. Like that's what we can't have. It's a five yard out and he's open and you threw it into the, his legs. That's what we can't have. Like that's the NFL. Some of these throws that golf's misses, you have to make, I don't need him to put 30 yard or frozen ropes in a shoebox. Like he doesn't need to make Pat Mahomes throws. Right. But when the guy runs a five yard out, and he's open and it's third down and we need the first, you, you, you can't you can't put it in the ground three yards in front of him. Like, you just can't. It's the NFL, dude. And those are critical plays that have to be made. Goff can't do it or he hasn't done it to this point. Switch it up, dude. Switch it up. And again, like, Blau may not be the answer, but maybe putting Blau in, maybe the defense now is like, all right, fuck yeah. Like, we got Blau in. We got something different. Maybe we got more of a chance. Let's go. Maybe the O-line's a little more juiced up. I think – Changing the QB is the easiest way to send a wave throughout the entire team, the defense, all the other position groups, and kind of maybe get them a little, all right, hey, Dave's in there today. Dave can fucking throw that thing around. When he played last year, when Stafford got hurt, Blau wasn't bad. Like, he was kind of frisky, frisky. He wasn't afraid to chuck that thing down the field. He wasn't afraid to try to make a couple plays. I could appreciate that. That's exactly what the Lions need, too. Like, give me the guy. All right, he throws a picker or two. Give me the guy who's throwing the 50-yard bomb, taking a couple shots, wants to make plays, as opposed to the guy who's constantly checking it down and even still is missing reads and, and throwing bad balls, right? It can't get worse with Blau. I think it's time. I like Goff. Um, I wanted him to work out. I knew he would never, you know, he's not going to, like, be a playoff contender with this team. But I wanted him to work out as far as being competitive, winning some games, 
It doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Shit happens. I think it's time. I think it's time for Blau. I don't know how I, Dan, I, he's, I'm sure he's kind of feeling the pressure like, fuck, man. We're 0-7. I'm sure he's thinking about it. It's being discussed. I hope they come out this week. Blau, get it going. Especially back up against Stafford. That'd be kind of a fun narrative. Although, golf against the Rams. That's the other tough thing now where it's – I don't know if it's like embarrassing, but I'm sure Jared would like to play against the Rams this weekend. I don't know if Dan sits him, if he'd be like, what the fuck is that about? You're not going to play me against my old team. He might get a little upset about that. But at the same time, I think Blau is the, I think Blau is the smart decision, right? I don't know. I don't know. It's not if he, if Jared starts the rest of the year, doesn't really matter if Blau starts it. None of these things matter. It's just something that now it's it's less about like winning the game. It's less about the season and the record. For me, this decision and making changes like that are more about where like let's see what Dan's about. Cause you gotta look at this the any any rational person, especially if you're the coach, he's in the building every day. You have to be looking at this team and where you're at right now, going, hey, something's gotta fucking change here. Something's gotta change. Especially the Bengals game last week, you took a step backwards. Right, you were competitive with the Vikings, Ravens, Bears game wasn't too bad, and then you, it looked like you were getting closer, and then you just get blown out by the Bengals. Something's got to change, I think. So that's where I'm, I care more about, like whether or not Dan will make the change, rather than the change itself. If that makes sense. Um, as far as Stafford coming back, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch him play. I've been trying to watch all the Rams games this year because right? Like the lions aren't winning shit. I hope the Rams win the super bowl. I've, I've talked. Oh my God. I've talked that nauseam. I've talked that nauseam. It feels like about the people who say, if you're a lions fan rooting for the Rams this year, you're not a real lions fan. Shut the fuck up. What do you mean? This guy sacrificed 12 years of a career where the average length of a career is like four or something. 12 years. This guy played for the most dysfunctional franchise in professional sports. He he decided to stay with the worst franchise in sports because he loved it here. He wanted to win. He loved the fans. And you're going to tell me I'm not a real fan for rooting for that guy's success in a season where the Lions have no chance of being successful? You got to be kidding me, right? That can't actually be real. Don't get me wrong, this Sunday. I hope the Lions win just because it'd be funny. I all like I can't, I've said it again a million times. I can't watch Lions and be like, oh yay, the Lions are losing. I just it's like not genetically possible. I just can't do it. Um, but again, when this when the Rams win the game and Stafford's smiling, giving hugs, like I'll be smiling too. I'll be smiling too. Um I want that team to win the fucking Super Bowl, dude. I, I've just always been – I've been a Stafford guy when he was in Detroit and people were saying, Stafford's the problem. Stafford's the problem. Always drove me crazy because he wasn't. Always drove me crazy because the stats and the 3-80 and 80 against plus 500 teams, like all the, the stats that get cherry-picked with them, all that aside, even the good stats, the youngest to 10,000 yards, all the good stats aside – if you sit down and you watch Matthew Stafford play football, forget who he's playing for, forget the stats, forget that he's he didn't win the division in Detroit, forget everything you know. If you sit down and you watch Matthew Stafford play football, it is undeniable that he is good at what he does. It's undeniable that he's one of the better players at what he does. It's undeniable. I could never stand when people would say Stafford just can't win. I he had more than what it took to win. Oh wow, that's crazy. The Rams are five and one with their only loss coming to an undefeated team. That's crazy that all of a sudden he goes to a competent organization and he's winning. That's fucking wild. That's wild, dude. Crazy how that works. Almost like he could have done that in Detroit too if he had help. And then now the Lions, like, think about this, dude. Outside of maybe Galladay, Matthew Stafford was playing with this same team last year. <laughs> Do you believe that? And they won, what, five games? Matthew Stafford, single-handedly, with a worse defense, might I add. The defense this year has been better. 
Matthew Stafford was with the same team. If anything, the defense was worse, and he somehow managed to win games. That's one man. That's Matthew Stafford saying, fuck it. Well, uh, can't, I'm not, we're not losing them all, not on my watch. And people wanted to say he was the problem. <laughs> Mm-mm-mm, that's funny. Mm-mm-mm. So that's why I, I just I want to see the Rams succeed. I hope the Lions win this Sunday. But I want to win, see the Rams succeed. And the people saying, you're not a real fan. You should be rooting for them to do poorly so the Cats get a better pick. Dude. That guy, I grew up with Matt Stafford, Matthew, excuse me, Matthew, sorry about that. I grew up with him being my quarterback. I grew up watching that guy break ribs and then shoving athletic trainers so he could go back in the game to throw a game-winning touchdown. I saw that guy make throws that I didn't know were humanly possible. I saw that guy in a broken season last year where it didn't matter. Thanksgiving, the season's over. Matthew, you're getting up there. Fuck it, dude. You don't need to play. Nah, it's Thanksgiving and the Lions are playing and I'm the quarterback, so I played. That's the guy. That's the guy that was the quarterback of my favorite team really through my entire life. That guy. That guy. And you're going to tell me once he leaves and has an opportunity to win that I'm supposed to say, no, boo, you're out of your mind. You're fucking crazy. You are out of your mind. I just won't do it. Okay. All we got on the Lions, um, depressing. Don't really, you know, sucks. Maybe one day I'll be, we'll be able to do like three hour episodes where I just can't stop talking about how great they are. But until then, um, let me take a quick break. I don't really want to do Pistons. I did that on Tuesday. There's nothing much to talk about. Red Wings are still. I watched the game last night, dude. I'm having a hard time not getting excited. <laughs> Are they going to be like competitive? I don't want to say this shit out loud. I'm afraid like the hockey gods will listen and be like, oh, you thought they were going to be competitive. And it's just going to nosedive. The Red Wings, I want to spend a couple minutes on. And then we'll do, we got to do Michigan football. I'm excited to talk a little Michigan football. So another break, we'll be back. <laughs> We got to do a bit of wings. So I mentioned um, on the Tuesday episode that I was up north this past weekend. Kind of half tuned into both games. Not really. Didn't like – I didn't get to sit down and just fucking indulge in some Red Wings hockey. But I did last night, and it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Lucas Raymond, dude, call me Nosferatu with it. You know what I'm saying? Call me Nosferatu. I wrote the blog saying Lucas Raymond's going to get his first career goal, and that he did, and it was so sick, dude. My, we, I was watching with a couple friends. Puck went in the net. The play happened. You could kind of feel like the, oh. Puck went in the net, and we all stood up with a, yeah. Like, we were, it's like we were at the game. It was fucking awesome. That kid, and then on the second goal, the little, so, off the board, just at center ice, the little sauce, put it up for Larkin. Larkin, Bertuzzi, quick release, like the, Pretty much mirror image of Raymond's goal. Quick release, top shelf, dude. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm I'm usually an optimist before the season starts. Once it gets going, like the Lions, I, before the season, I was like, dude, if they can run the ball, like, they're not going to make the playoffs, but they could win some games. They could be a little interesting. I was an optimist. The Red Wings, too. We were more competitive last year. The team from last year to the year before – clearly, clearly, clearly was more competitive. It was fun to watch. It was good to see the growth. From last year to this year, added Nick Letty, added Raymond, added Sider, added Nadelkovich. We're adding guys that are improvements. We're adding better players. Not only that, we're adding guys like Sider and Raymond who have the upside of not just, oh, pretty good player, of like changing the team type players. And Raymond, what is he, 19, 20? Raymond already. Three games in, you you see the flashes. Sure, he just got his first goal. I think he's got three points in three games. But you see the flashes. You see the plays where it's like this guy is – like this kid knows what he's doing. This kid's going to be fucking good. You already see the flashes. The goal, Larkin gave it to him from like a foot away. The puck was on his stick for a, a snap of the fingers maybe. It was barely on his stick. The thing wired into the top corner. And then the pass, like just the easy sauce, the move he made. If you watch the game, when they broke out of their own zone, Raymond gets the puck at their own blue line and just does like an in and out move to this guy to get around him and get to center ice to lay up the pass to Larkin. Like plays like that, that just outside of maybe Larkin, 
maybe Zadina plays like that where nobody on the team's making, he makes them and it leads to a goal. And you go back and you look at it like, wow, dude, this kid's 19 and he's already got the nuts to like make a move like that, breaking out of the zone. He's already got the wherewithal. Just let me toss this up. Larkin will be there two on one. Like, are you kidding? Are you kidding? I had, I had high hope, not high hopes, but I had, you know, a good feeling about the wing season if Raymond wouldn't have made the team with just who had they who they had coming back based off what they did last year, based off the free agent signings. Then you throw in a Mo Sider. A guy tries a little, it was like a spinorama. Mo Sider just fucking pulverizes him. Lucas Raymond is maestroing offense, initiating offense. I don't want the hockey gods to jinx me. I don't want them to think, listen, knock on wood, I'm not hockey gods. I'm a humble, I'm a humble supporter of the Red Wings. I don't, I'm not too big for my britches. I, are these guys going to be competitive though? Are the Red Wings going to do some interesting stuff? Said before the season, all I wanted to see was just like a toughness, which my Lord, they brought it's that might be the best part. Raymond aside, goal scoring and big time players getting points aside, the fact that they've decided, you know what? We're done taking shit from anybody. I don't care if it's a clean hit, a dirty kit, a dirty hit. I don't care if you look at me wrong. Bertuzzi's going to get in your fucking face. Giovanni Smith's going to little hand in the mouth. You know those gloves don't smell good. Let me stick it in your face. I love that aspect of the team. Yes, they've been good. They're 2-0-1, dude. That's fucking great. It's a great start. It's as good as you could ask. Yes, they're scoring some goals. Yes, the young guys look pretty good. Yes, they're making plays. The power play is more creative. Everything, yeah. Favorite part might be how they've decided, you know what, we're it's fucking over. Those days of Detroit being a pushover, that little five-year window the league had where they could come and kind of just bully Detroit, nah, that fucking done. I love, I love how the big time, first liners, Bertuzzi, Larkin. I love how Larkin's like, dude, I don't fucking care that I'm a skill guy. I don't care that I'm the captain. I don't care. I love how Larkin has taken up that attitude. I don't care who I am. I don't care if I'm the captain. If you fuck with me or anybody on the ice at the same time as me, I will not let it happen. I will let it you like let you know that shit doesn't fly. I love it, dude. I love it. Because before you start being taken seriously as a competitor, you got to be taken seriously as a team who will stand up for themselves. And it's like the Red Wings this year. I don't, again, don't know why or where it's come from. Maybe just they have the confidence now. Like, damn, we got this Raymond kid, the Cider kid, Letty's here. Maybe they just have more confidence. Whatever it is, maybe Stevie Y came down and said, hey, guys, uh-uh, we're done with that shit. That should never happen when I played here. Happened for a few years. It's over now. You don't come to Detroit and you don't fuck with the Red Wings. That's it. It's done. I don't know what has caused it to start, but dude, do I love watching it. I love watching the Red Wings stand up for themselves. I love watching Raymond, Zadina mix it up. They, or Raymond, not really. Larkin, Zadina mix it up. I love that they don't fucking care. They don't need to leave it for the enforcers. They'll take care of that shit themselves because you're not – bullying Detroit most cider the other day what that he uh I think it was the Vancouver game he just kind of like it was a stoppage and he just <laughs> he just like tapped the puck away from the Vancouver guy and he gives him a jab or maybe it was the Tampa game I can't remember and the guy gives him a little jab and Mo is just there's like three Canucks or lightning around him he's just trading shots I love it dude don't back down from anyone the hockey will figure itself out Right, as more and more young guys get up here, Berggren, Valeno, it'll take care of itself. Nobody can get fucked with, though. You can't let that happen, especially if it's gonna like this team. We're just gonna add more 19, 20, 21 year olds, right? As time goes by, Edvinson, Valeno, Raymond, Wallander, whoever, you're gonna have to be more and more. Those guys come into the league, other teams go, Oh, this kid's a fucking teenager, dude. Who cares if I cross check him in the neck? Refs aren't calling it, apparently. That can't fly. That can't fly. It's been a treat to watch, dude. And the Red Wings. I mean, I know Columbus. <sighs> My heart goes out, dude. Columbus is bad, man. Columbus is bad. The Red Wings. That's the first time in a long time I can remember watching a Red Wings game where they utterly dominated the entire time. I mean, Columbus is bad. 
like fucking bad. Red Wings 2019 bad. Like it's ugh. I feel for that. Morensky just signed that extension there too. I said he should have leveraged his extension into a trade to the Red Wings. He's always wanted to play in Detroit. He's from Detroit. I said it. He might be looking at his situation now going, uh-oh. Did I just I know they paid me, but I did I just sign up to play on the worst team in the NHL for the next five years? Uh-oh. It's bad. Columbus is bad. And I know that, but watching the Red Wings dominate a team. Were you during the game, you're sitting there like, wow, we're a lot better than these guys. Our players are way better than theirs. Crazy feeling. Fun. Fun to watch. Crazy, crazy feeling, dude. I love watching the Red Wings. I love when like the idea that they're going to be competitive. Again, the idea I felt this last year, and as it stands right now, even more so this year, the idea that we're going to go any game they play this year, I'm going to go in as a fan thinking, all right, why why can't the Red Wings win? Why shouldn't the Red Wings win tonight? Any game, why can't the Red Wings win tonight? I The fact that that's like a feeling that's back, I don't know. It's like a weight lifted off my shoulders even though <laughs> I don't know why I don't know why I had the weight to begin with but it it feels like different it doesn't feel like they're removing the responsibility of like ah well let's watch the Red Wings tonight. now it's like hell yeah hell yeah the Red Wings are on tonight let's watch the Red Wings it's an awesome feeling especially when you got guys like Raymond and Cider we're watching them grow up and become the future before our eyes it's I'm like smiling talking about it. I I can't wait for the rest of this year. I can't wait for the next game. I can't wait for the future of the Red Wings. I can't wait for the future of Detroit, dude. The Red Wings, the Tigers, the Pistons, all coming up. Michigan State, like, oh, man. It is a beautiful, beautiful time. It is a beautiful time. I love Red Wings hockey. Lucas Raymond is fucking filthy. I think he's okay, too. That was horseshit, by the way. How are the rest not going to call that? The guy clearly runs him in the back into the boards. Is that, I don't get it. Is that just not a penalty? Like that's a situation where I loved, I was totally fine with Larkin taking his suspension. That's a situation where if Tyler Bertuzzi took his stick and fucking axed the guy that did that in the throat, yeah, he's getting suspended for a while. Fine. You can't have the future star the future of the franchise, you cannot have teams coming in like, wait, I can just shove this kid's neck into the glass and nothing happens. That can't be like ever a possibility, right? So whatever you got to do, if these refs are just not going to do their jobs, Giovanni Smith, if he's got to murder somebody out there, I don't care. Whatever you got to do, protect the guys. Keep winning. Keep being competitive. I love Red Wings hockey. All right, one last break, Michigan. Michigan Northwestern huge game huge game I mean it's the big 10 it's surviving advanced season huge game especially when you look at the implication if they win 7-0 Michigan comes to town against 7-0 Michigan State that adds pressure I think to this Northwestern game if their state was at the state game had already happened or if it was like four more weeks down the road I think this would be kind of a ho-hummed Michigan's gonna go in there clean them out call it a day I do think the state game being the following week adds pressure, though. I, I don't know how it couldn't. Um, again, like Harbaugh is going to come out and say, yep, we're focused on this week. It's no, nobody in this locker room is looking forward, right? Which should, should be the case. You would hope is the case. But to some extent, like that's probably in the back of their minds a little bit. Like these kids got Twitter. These kids have Instagram. They know what's on the fucking line, right? The fan bases certainly are looking ahead. I think that's kind of MSU last week a little bit. It was like, oh, IU will steamroll these guys. We'll play Michigan and almost cost them. I do think Northwestern's awful. (laughs) I mean, Northwestern's terrible. I fucking – I listened to podcasts before the season of people saying, no, no, Northwestern, like, they'll be pretty good. They're a good program. Not the case. Um, They're really bad. I don't know if they've improved or gotten worse. I can't say I've watched a Northwestern game since MSU embarrassed them. They weren't good in that game, though. Um, Or State was just sick. But big game nonetheless. Like, you got to go out there. You got to play well. I think, again, even though Northwestern's having a tough year, they're not great. This isn't like Michigan's playing Penn State or Ohio State. Still the Big Ten. Northwestern's won big games in the past. Pat Fitzgerald, I think, is a good coach. 
they have players, right? Like they they had a couple guys that went to the NFL last year. They have players. If Michigan goes in sleepwalking, like, dude, the October 30th, Michigan State, if they go in looking ahead like, fuck this, Northwestern stinks, you never know. It could be interesting. And they've already had a couple close calls. Um, the Rutgers game for Michigan was close. Nebraska a couple weeks ago was close. So there's no – it's very similar to MSU in that IU game. Like, if you go in kind of counting your chickens before they hatch – like shit might go down. I wouldn't, I would not recommend that. That being said, I think Michigan will annihilate them or at least they should. How could you, how could Michigan fan, Michigan state fan, I don't care who you are, Northwestern fan. How could you look at this game and not think states, or I mean state, how could you not think Michigan is just going to destroy these guys, right? They should absolutely kill them. I, um, I will say, as far as Michigan goes, like, it's funny. I've said it a few times now. Like, the the similarities, I think, between Michigan and Michigan State, like the style they play, what causes them to win, like some of these games they're in that are closer where they maybe shouldn't be, why is that the case? Again, uh, same thing here. Like, if Michigan runs, comes into this game and Northwestern says, we're going to load the box, you just cannot run the ball, could be interesting. Could get interesting. Like, that's state this past week. Kenneth Walker didn't do anything against IU. Fucking got interesting very quickly, right, and stayed interesting. That's the key to this one. If Michigan can run the ball, I said it when they played Nebraska a couple weeks ago, same deal. If Nebraska could stop the run with Adrian Martinez, like how he is with his legs, that game will be interesting. Nebraska didn't really stop the run, but it was still interesting. If if Northwestern can stop the run, they don't have Adrian Martinez, obviously, but that makes the game a game, I think. If Michigan can run the ball in this one, they'll beat them by 30 and it'll be on to East Lansing. If Northwestern holds Corum and Haskins in check, and all of a sudden again, it's, hey, Cade, you you got to beat us. You got to make the reads. You got to make the throws. You got to make the plays. That's, a, that's how you have to approach Michigan. I hope that's what Mel Tucker is telling State right now. That should be what Pat Fitzgerald, Pat Fitzgerald ugh, is telling Northwestern. If you've looked at the way Michigan's won and the way Michigan's played this season, I don't know how you could have any other like idea of a defensive game plan or really an idea of an all-around game plan other than we have to do everything in our power to not let them run the football and then it you know it might be close. And then you got to score some points, make a couple points, right? You just can't let Michigan run the football. If Michigan runs it, you will lose. I promise you that you will lose the game. This is how I feel about state. The only interesting thing, what if they play each other and Michigan and Michigan State both have great days on the ground? <laughs> in that case, I don't know what happens. Maybe the world explodes. I don't know what happens in that case. But if you're Northwestern, you got to key in on the run. Again, North, Michigan should steamroll them. Like, again, if they're looking ahead like fucking nobody cares about Northwestern, all they're talking about is State, you could run into some issues for sure. Um, I do think the Big Ten – even though what's Northwestern, like three and four, four and three, something like that. I do think the Big Ten has become a conference, and especially this year, especially the East, where anybody can beat you on any given day. Purdue just beat Iowa. Like anybody can just beat you. If you go in all lackadaisical, you don't really care, you are you might lose the game. Nebraska, they're at the bottom of the Big Ten West, and I actually think Nebraska is like pretty decent, right? Everybody – Another thing that fucking bothers me just about college football in general, but especially when it comes to the Michigan and Michigan State rivalry and the fans that like, I swear some of these people that argue about State and Michigan on the internet like aren't real. Like I, they, they say things where I'm like, dude, do you understand what you're saying? Like the fans, whether it's MSU to Michigan or vice versa, that are saying, oh, Nebraska's not a good win. You almost lost to Rutgers. They're not a good team. Like, I disagree with that. Yes, Rutgers is not a good team when you compare them to Ohio State, when you compare them to Penn State. I disagree with the idea that, like, oh, Rutgers, you should have beat them by 70. Nebraska, you only beat them by three. That's It took you to overtime. Like, Nebraska is a solid squad. Nebraska is a team. You don't play great, you might be in a game. Happened to both teams. I fucking hate just the rivalry banter, like the toxicity where nobody wants to admit 
that the team, the other team wins games. Like Michigan's good. I don't, if you're a state fan, you don't have to just lie to yourself and say Michigan isn't good. Michigan's good. That's fine. Like their defense makes me nervous. Their run game makes me nervous. I, cause I'm a state fan. I, I don't have to like pretend that that isn't real. I don't understand. Like Michigan fans do the same where it's, oh, it took you to overtime to beat Nebraska at home. Like, guys, it's fine. State's good. Like, it's okay, Michigan fans. You can say it. That's fine. We're going to see who's better in a week. Like, it's okay. I hate that the fan base is like, you, you just can't say anything positive, even if it might be true. It's so fucking annoying. Every win that State has somehow is a bad win. It's crazy. Every game Michigan State's won is somehow like, oh, you should have beat them by more. It's fucking nuts. That being said, I thought Michigan's win against Nebraska was very impressive. On the road, fucking nuts atmosphere. It was like scary to watch on TV. <laughs> um, and Nebraska, again, I, I think they're like, actually pretty good. Adrian Martinez is, if you haven't played a QB like him and then you play Nebraska, that shit scares me. Like I hate, I hate the running quarterback teams. They are so terrifying, especially when it's a guy like Adrian Martinez, who like is always looking to make a play. He's not interested in throwing it away really. Like he wants to make you fucking pay for letting him get out of the pocket. Always terrifies me. I thought that was a good win for Michigan. They demolished Wisconsin, who, again, not great. But, like, Camp Randall, Wisconsin has guys. They're not beating up on Grand Valley State. Like, I thought that was a good win. But where Michigan has run into trouble, I I think, was the Nebraska game, not so much. Their defense just kind of fell apart in that third quarter against Nebraska. But, again, Adrian Martinez, like, different breed. You don't see offenses that revolve around the quarterback just playing backyard football. You don't see that. Like, Michigan State doesn't operate like that. Peyton might make a couple plays, but they're it's like Nebraska's whole offensive scheme is all right. This is the pass play. Adrian, feel free to just fucking run it, dude. Like you don't need to throw it. You don't play many teams like that. Um where they the other time they ran into trouble, Rutgers, the run game couldn't get going and Cade couldn't either. Similarly to state when they can't run the ball and it's like, hey Peyton, it's on you. They struggle. I'm interested to see how that goes again. Um like I said if Michigan runs it, they're going to kill them. But what my, what I really am interested in with Michigan and what I'm interested to watch again, especially going into the state game, how do Michigan fans feel about Cade? Like I know when I look at state, what I kind of think the weaknesses are where it's like, oh, that, if this happens, then it might not be so good. What are what do people feel about Cade? What are the Michigan – what's the Michigan fan base feel? Like they're undefeated, obviously. You guys are a top-ten team. He he played pretty well against Nebraska. The one pick was not good. But I feel like for the most part, he's played all right. Like he's been what you need. Similar again, Peyton Thorne, like you, you guys don't need to be Johnny football. Just fucking do the job. But when I look at Michigan, when I – if you say, why will Michigan lose eventually if I had to make the case? Or at MSU, like if I'm Mel Tucker and I'm in the war room, like how do we beat these guys? For me, it's Cade. You make him make the plays. If I was state, I'd be in there. If I'm Northwestern, they can't run the ball. Cade, Cade McNamara, we'll let him throw. We'll let him do whatever. Make him beat us. Make Cade McNamara beat our team. Make him be the reason they score. I don't want them to score because they have 300 yards on the ground. I want them to score because Cade has 300 yards through the air. If you lose that way, it is what it is. But when I look at Michigan, I think their defense is good. I know Nebraska, you know, they did a number on them. But again, like I said, kind of a weird offense they have. I think the defense is good. They got playmakers, Hutchinson, Dax Hill. I love, dude. I love Dax Hill. He's like my favorite player at Michigan. That guy's just an absolute badass. Um, The linebacker, Ross, I believe his name is. He's good. He's been there for what feels like my entire life. I think the Michigan defense is good. Again, the corners, like you got the same corners coming back. Rocky Lombardi toasted those guys. So when I look at the Michigan defense, I'd say corners. But all in all, the defense I think is good. That front seven is good. Like the fact that they're going to be able to pressure the QB, that scares me as a, for their defense. But I think the real key, if I had to point to one, I mean, it hasn't been a weakness. You haven't lost games. But the one thing that I, I think could be the weakness 
like if and when Michigan loses, if I was a betting man, the reason that they lose that game, for me, it's because Cade McNamara had to do too much. And honestly, I kind of, the way State's been, the close games they've been in, I feel very similar about Peyton. It's like those games where State's uh, eking them out in Nebraska and then uh, Indiana. It's like Peyton's not playing great. Peyton didn't have a great game. Cade, I think, is the answer in Michigan. And then you have the flashes of J.J., where he comes in the game and he's throwing fucking rockets. <laughs> the guy's arm, <laughs> the guy's arm is made out of elastic. He's throwing rockets all over the place. They're scoring touchdowns. He's running around. Where are Michigan fans at? Obviously, JJ's had a little playing time, not in the big moments, but like you're up, he's getting in there, he's making plays, he's seeing the college feed. Where are Michigan fans at? I'm really curious because from an MSU perspective. Like, we don't have the five-star QB who comes in and dazzles everybody. Like, we don't have that. It's not like, oh, sit Peyton, put in the five-star freak. We don't have that. So, it work, It it is Peyton. Michigan, Cade's been doing the job. He's done what's needed of him. He's got the experience. He's the older guy. I assume he's a leader. But then you have JJ who comes in and is throwing fucking piss missiles all over the place, and they're scoring in the blink of an eye. What is it? What Like, how do people feel? Because on the one hand, do you would you put JJ in? Like if you go to halftime, let's say Northwestern this week, it's 17-3 Northwestern, let's say, at halftime. Like game's fully unreached, but not great. The offense struggles. Do you put in JJ at half or do you ride out Cade? Right? Like what what happens when maybe you struggle and then you play Michigan State and it's like, dude, we can't score 13 points against Michigan State, right? That's kind of what interests me because it's a very tough balance between experience and maybe the talent, especially when Cade really hasn't had a blow up. Cade hasn't cost you a game. Cade hasn't been terrible. It's just he hasn't really gotten it done. It's very interesting to see. I'm excited to see how that plays out. It's like I want I want Northwestern to stop the run just because I want to see how Cade reacts. Like I want to see what Michigan state's going up against, right? Like we know they can run the ball. I know Michigan can run the ball. I don't need to see them run for 300 more this weekend. I want to see the running game kind of get stuffed and see if Cade can come in and run the show and score points. That's what I'm really interested in. Um, but that's not only is that what I'm interested in with the team, but that's what I'm interested in with the fan base. Like do Michigan fans, there's got to be some people out there that are looking at it like, oh, I don't know if Cade is like, like, yeah, we're sixth overall or whatever right now, but like, is Cade going to be the guy that beats MSU and Penn State and Ohio? Is Cade that like, is Cade that guy? He's beaten Rutgers. He's beaten Nebraska. Is he the guy that beats those teams though? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. It's interesting. I will say this though. I'm excited. A, to watch Michigan just to see what we got coming in. But if and when Michigan wins, I expect them to. I cannot wait for just the week of buildup to that game in East Lansing. That's why I love college football. Like the buildup, the hype, the anticipation for that Michigan-Michigan State game if they're both 7-0. and I mean, even if Michigan loses and they're 6-1, and it's going to be crazy. I am so excited. I'm looking forward to it already. I cannot wait. I, I, it's funny because I can't really decide. Like, I hate Michigan, obviously. <laughs> I like when they lose. So it, it'd be funny for them to lose to Northwestern. But at the same time, 7 and 0 versus 7 and 0. Ooh, top 10 matchup. Ooh, doggies. It's fucked up that the game's at noon, but it's whatever. It's funny, too, because people are like, yeah, the game's at noon because of MSU. Like, no one cares about MSU. Morons. The game's at noon because the East Lansing police don't want to find dead people in the streets. That's why the game's at noon. Regardless, I'll be up and at him. Three mimosas deep. You know it. Can't wait for the game. I'm interested to see how Michigan plays this weekend. I'm interested to see. Like, I'm kind of waiting for the game. Now that that Rutgers game was a while ago, I'm waiting for the game where a defense comes into the Michigan game. It's happened twice now. IU did the same thing to State. I'm waiting for that second time a team plays Michigan with the mentality of they no running the ball. They don't run the ball. If they throw the ball and score, it is what it is, but they will not run it. I'm excited to see. I hope Mel, I like if Pat Fitzgerald doesn't do it, I hope that's Mel's philosophy, but we'll see. Should be a good game. We'll see if Michigan can get to 7-0. Biggest 
battle for Paul Bunyan since 1964, if they do, which is going to be fucking crazy. Um, I love college football. Anyways, hope everybody has a phenomenal week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. I really appreciate it. Hey, if you're here from the TikTok, I told you the podcast is a little different. It's easier for me to get my thoughts out and be normal, be normal, talk normal on a, uh, on a podcast, as opposed to a 60 second video where I got to be ridiculous to fucking get like grow. Right. And so hopefully there's some TikTok people here. It's a little more laid back, a little more relaxed. I don't have 60 seconds to cause a scene. So it's different. Anyways, that's all I got this week. Second string podcast. We got an episode coming out tomorrow. Had one yesterday. (laughs) Harry Potter fans would enjoy. Until then, enjoy your weekend. Um, I will be in Austin, Texas. Go Longhorns, I guess. Hook them. I don't know. Uh, And I'll see you next week. Talk to you guys later. Oh, 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 oh,